0: Good morning everybody hey i think we are live and i think we are uh with here here we are hi everybody (laughs) welcome to another edition of critical q a the show where we answer your questions um based on what you're putting in the comments here this morning (laughs) hey thank you very much for confirming we're good um and hello let's uh go ahead and throw your comments up on the screen as well so we have a uh We have all the feedback happening here. I'm very happy to be here live with you guys this morning. Yesterday was quite a (laughs) little bit of a crazy day, a little little catch-up on sleep day. It was kind of weird. Um, So I thought, well, let's just do it live this week, and Mm -hmm. and so here we are. So Because I've got some great questions in the queue that are waiting to be answered, and I was actually really looking forward to doing that this week. But we're doing it this way, and we'll get to those questions next week, and it'll be fine. Uh, yes. Okay. So we're, we are good. Um, how, how are you doing this morning?
1: I'm doing all right. A little tired.
0: Yeah. A little bit. (laughs) A little bit. It is a Sunday morning.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We're
0: not, we don't do the church thing. So we're not, we usually get early risers. Yeah, exactly. We sleep in, but we are, I am doing a live show right after this one this morning, literally going right from this to that and i'll be on um uh what is it called uh something t and uh anyway i've posted a link to it on twitter and uh um anyway it'll be uh that'll be a good time that'll be just a regular little chat talk about scientology stuff so uh who are you and why did i get this notification Because you're subscribed to my channel. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I couldn't say otherwise. Anyway, hey, England. Hey, guys. Uh, Georgia, excellent. All right, guys. So uh, this is a Q&A show. So we can start taking questions in the comment section uh, here. If you would have anything you would like to ask us, go ahead and throw it up there. Um, I can only guess, Faye, that you're getting notifications because we're... It's hard. To, it's hard to tell when people are joking or what. Yeah, once, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? You're like, I, 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 I don't know, because, <laughs> because you subscribe to my channel. Ah. Uh, oh, interesting, interesting. I saw a video cast with Cat and got a little spooked because huh? he knew somebody who looked like her. That's very interesting. Yeah, I, I hope you guys have got a chance to uh, get a chance to check out that uh, podcast I posted yesterday. It was an addition to the string of interviews I've done with people that I've called the Scientology Experience. And uh, Kat is the latest in that. And she is a woman who actually contacted me three years ago with the idea of sort of infiltrating the local church of Scientology in Austin and uh, getting material of a detailed nature about Scientology and what it's really all about so she could do comedy with it and she was going to write a book and stuff. And I was like, eh, "It's probably not a good idea because I never really recommend people go do that. Um, I don't think infiltrating Scientology is the way, is really the way to go um, to find out about it. All the information is out here. There's nothing, there's not like tons of secrets that you're going to like learn by infiltrating them. You're just going to have a really rough time and kind of hate it. And um, Anyway, but Kat went ahead and did that, and her story went wildly different to how she thought it would go. And I thought we had a pretty good time talking about how and why that happened and how it affected her in ways she did not see coming because of the human connections that she made, because Scientologists are people first and Scientologists second. And she didn't quite factor that into her thinking. And it was, it was pretty interesting. I thought it was a great talk. I, I had a lot of time um talking to her about that and also this one was kind of fun for me because i really was pretty chill in the conversation we were really just conversing i wasn't i didn't have some big set of questions for her or lead her chronologically through her story we just kind of talked about the whole thing and and most of it came out in the course of the talk so it was a lot of fun to do that um yeah exactly i do enjoy gluttony and fornication sunday morning <laughs> the only contribution religion has made to humanity is making both feel even better when sinful <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome robert robert is down for um xenu uh palpentine 2020 let's make teagy act great again I, I think that is a, uh i think that is an excellent uh attitude Oh, hey! Here's a great question. Um, what Doom Two mod have you played, and do you have a favorite? I, um, I will talk about this because <laughs> we have really been getting into video games. Yeah. lately. we've been. It's quarantine, man. I what mean, else are you gonna do? Literally, right? You get to a point where you're like, okay, I've, I've, I've got books to read, and I'm gonna get through those. And, of course, I have content to produce, and I'm going to produce that. Now I'm going to university, so that's starting up this week for real in earnest. But, you know, sometimes you just have got to take a chill pill. And, um, and video games are the way to do mm-hmm. that. And you've been, um, you've been playing Stardew Valley. Yeah. Which is like, well, what, why don't you describe it? I would
1: describe I'm... it as farming meets a role-playing game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go.
1: Because <laughs> it's kind
0: of second life-ish in, yeah. in that it's not POV. It's it's you you're you did the graphics are kind of so-so.
1: Yeah, the graphics aren't you know. They're unique. Yeah, they're sort of old-fashioned, I guess. Old, but yeah. but he did that on purpose, kind of to hark back to older games. But um, yeah. yeah, it's it's basically like you're a farmer. You get your grandpa's farm after he dies, and he passes it on to you, and you have to make it better again and you meet all the people of the town but you can also go places like the caves and mine and fight bad guys right <laughs> and they have
0: festivals down by the sea that you go to i mean it's all timed on a yearly cal- you know daily calendar thing yeah and, yeah and you're farming and and producing resources i just kind of sit back and watch this happen i i at first i thought it was just kind of crazy hilarious that this would be a video game <laughs> Um, but it's actually kind of, when you kind of get into it and you start meeting all the people of the town and building up your home and raising these little animals who, by the way, you have to go and pat on the head every day to yeah. show some love for, um, and you get, you know, she's got a little cat seven, Seven's in the game, and uh, anyway, it's just kind of fun. It's it's, yeah. it's goofy fun. Right. It
1: was all made by one guy.
0: That which is, which is actually, to me, still, I can't really believe that. I, I keep being told that, but I I can't believe one man just is is singly responsible for creating that game. Anyway, and for me, it's been Doom. I was real. I'm into I'm into kind of Grand. What is it? Gran Turismo. Yeah, yeah. As a racing game, I think that's a lot of fun. Super realistic driving simulator. And then I got back into Doom because Doom is simple enough that it's an easy point of view shooter. <laughs> that I just have fun shooting imps and demons and cacodemons and barons <laughs> of hell and all this stuff. Right. Yeah. And, um, so it's been a lot. Of, so it's just fun. It's just, it's just goofy fun. And it's not too call, you know, the reason I've had a problem with call of duty and some of the other POV shooters, this is just so complicated. You know, you got so many options. There's so many things to do and I'm old and fuddy duddy and not into trying to figure out all the little buttons and all the little combinations of things they can do. I, I got my ass handed to me on Mortal Kombat 10 enough playing younger <laughs> people who were just like destroying me and I could do nothing about it. And it was very yeah, frustrating.
1: They have faster little fingers. Oh my God,
0: man. <laughs> I was just, I mean, talk about Mortal Kombat Annihilation. I was just being destroyed. So that wasn't fun. So Doom has been sort of fun again. And I haven't done any mods. I've only been playing the straight games. I've been been—I've gone through Shores of Hell. I've gone through... Um, Doom 2, then I went back to Doom, which is what I'm getting through now, mm-hmm. and all the different levels of it. And I so I, with Doom 2, I got through all the ra- regular levels and all the master levels. So that's where I'm at on my progress on that. All right. Uh, don't suggest Paradox titles if you want to see future videos. All right. i'm not (laughs) sure what that means but fair enough i don't know either all right um oh Oh, god yep okay good so let's uh we should adopt another cat named 11
1: yeah i saw that i liked
0: it all right Seven Eleven. that's right will star wars ever be great again um probably not (laughs) but um i think mandalorian is making an honest effort at trying and uh and we'll see what they bring in season two i've i've heard that there was some drama behind the scenes on season two of the mandalorian but i don't know um you know how that's progressing but we'll see the, the the trailer for season two mandalorian looks pretty awesome to me though so i'm looking forward to that but as far as all the movies and every other property of star wars i have no hope <laughs> i need a new hope <laughs> <laughs> all right is the e-meter video like ot nine and ten pretty much yeah it's it's become my my sort of uh uh moby dick of of videos i i um you know it'll get done it'll happen someday it's it's the white whale it's out there uh good times
1: make monopoly game great again yeah oh that i don't know how you do it but yeah
0: yeah exactly there we go paradox interactive games okay good um yeah Zach. now now i get that comment from uh uh law of improbability okay that makes more sense now hey alex Turn the aircon off. Cool. All right. God mode. Yeah, I want to I, I you know, Rogan actually commented on God mode the other day, and I, I agree with him because there is a point about um, he was talking about God mode in relation to um, uh, it, it, like, a di- like what if we ended up? What if we end up what if we as human beings end up being uploaded into computers? Um, what if they figure it out? You know, what if they figure out the neuroscience and the and the Neuralink technology and all that other stuff in such a way that we're not just connected to computers, but we actually become in them. And that becomes where life progresses is life progresses through, you know, an artificial machine paradigm rather than a biological one. And he seems pretty convinced that that's where we're going.
1: Or like, uh, what was that show we watched? um, Where they would be able to switch bodies with the little chip thing when they die they take your little thing out oh yeah yeah
0: like um uh uh what was that show yeah altered altered carbon carbon altered carbon that's That's right like that show where you're (laughs) you're on a card or a sim card basically your soul and you can switch bodies Yeah, there's that there's Mm. that paradigm also. But the idea is is, where where, what Rogan seems convinced of is that biologics are going to be a thing of the past because they get sick, they die, Mm -hmm. they grow old. You know, you get you can't trade it in for the newer upgraded model. And we're all so big on upgrading to the latest and greatest (laughs) model every year. So, you know, this would roll out as as shown in Altered Carbon, actually it would roll out to the rich people, you know, who would have the best choice of the best bodies and all that. Anyway, he was talking about God mode because he was saying, you know, if you lived differently than that, if you actually decided to build a digital world of your own creation, and this is almost Scientology's ultimate goal, is to be the master of your entire universe. And instead of doing that through a spiritual route, um, what if you did that through a computer route where you lived in a server? And you, that was your existence for eternity, but you could do anything in that existence. It it was just your world, though, right? And how would you connect with other people? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'd have God mode. And and the point Rogan was making, which I kind of agreed with, was if you have all the power, see, the challenge of life and having an organic body and the way we live our lives is that it's temporary, that you know there's only so much time and there's only so many things you're going to pack into that time. And so you better make the most of it because this is all you get. And that kind of, of savoring that kind of anticipation and experience and the temporariness of it is what makes our lives meaningful and special. Mm-hmm. And if you take that away by offering a God mode eternity of everything you ever want, I, I believe that would be, end up becoming a kind of torture. Yes. In the end, I think that that's what that would be. And that's actually, a, there was actually even an old Twilight Zone episode about that. All right, let me check back in. Are we getting questions? Yeah. Um, Okay. Good.
1: There was one a while back that we didn't get to. Is how are evaluations of the TRs made? Jason Beg Beggy noted that appropriate was interpreted differently.
0: Okay. Let me. um, How are evaluations the TRs made, Jason? Oh, yeah. Okay. What you have in Scientology with the training routines and the ultimate standard of those is um, two things. There were two standards that were produced by L. Ron Hubbard, a series of lectures or or auditing demonstrations that he had done over the years. And those were recorded audio. And you would you would listen to what were called model auditing tapes from L. Ron Hubbard because they were cassettes right now. They're on CDs. And you would listen to the rhythm and cadence and and way that Hubbard would talk when he was auditing others. And you were supposed to model and emulate that kind of way of talking, way of interacting, acknowledgments, how you originate communications, how you deal with things the person says that are kind of unexpected or out of the blue. So you listen to those model auditing tapes. And Hubbard also made a technical training film. Called the professional TRs course, which is the course where you do all this heavy duty lifting on communication. And you and he showed on film exactly how he thought the TRs should look. He directed it himself personally. Now they remade that film. And they got, and they th- we all thought there was no way they would ever remake that film. They've been going through and remaking all the technical films that Hubbard had made back in the late seventies and early eighties that he had personally directed. Wow! They redid all of them because most of them were complete crap. I mean, they were <laughs> awful. The the set design, the production values, the acting—I mean, it was just awful. It was a bunch of Sea members out in the desert making these movies, and um. But the pro-TRs film was the standard of all standards. That was the Hubbard standard. And so, uh, you know, there were what ended up happening was that there were so many SPs in it. (laughs) There were so many bad guys who ended up blowing Scientology, including the guy who Hubbard directed to show the TRs. His name is Dan Kuhn. And he was a Sea Org member for a long time. And he took off. He was done. He he was like, I'm out of here in the 2000s. And so they went, well, now the person who is demonstrating perfect TRs to all Scientologists is a declared squirrel. So Miscavige ordered that they remade the, remake the, that Hubbard film. And so the standard <laughs> is still this film. I haven't seen the new one but because um, they made it after I left. But that's, that's how they grade what the TR should be compared against. Okay. Okay.
1: Here's an important one. Where's Seven, the critically thinking wonder cat?
0: yeah no seven cam today guys sorry well he shows up on wednesdays that's when you can yeah, see seven yeah. he's a feature of our critical conversation show and um and how i'll pimp it i mean if that's what brings you to our show <laughs> come on come on, come come see seven so all right oh thank you that's mary for that chat. super chat you're awesome thank you all
1: right next important question new batman trailer do you think it's brilliant or are you wrong
0: no i am i am yeah i am down i am down yeah it looks pretty cool yeah um i wish i could list declared squirrel on my linkedin yes Yes. (laughs) um yeah this batman trailer looks interesting this looks old school batman mm-hmm. this looks hardcore like year that the way it was described was that from somebody said um they thought it was like year it, batman year two is where we're going right into batman because batman's already established but he's still young new fresh uh, he's still making stuff the bat cave is still in development the He's got a souped up car as the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. Um, the suit is pretty primitive. I mean it's it's, it's hardcore gritty Batman yeah. and I have to say, it's the Batman I love the most is right? When it's like right that, you know me
1: too.
0: yeah. yeah you're a hardcore Batman uh, fan too. Yeah. You, we got Batman stuff all over the place. It's,
1: it's a little scary.
0: It, it it maybe is actually <laughs> that's the other thing we're getting through is the we've been binging the uh, batman animated Anime series yeah and i don't know if you guys know this or not i did not know going into the animated series that a lot of canon comes out of that animated series i didn't know that harley quinn was developed there and other characters mr freeze's backstory was really developed there and i just had no idea we were learning some of this stuff on the featurette so all right what else we got
1: The Law of Improbability says, did you see regional variations in tech?
0: Um, Not purposefully. People would do things differently in different places, um, but those were differences that really didn't matter a whole lot in terms of how they were applying the tech. Scientology technology is pretty exact stuff in a lot of ways. There's very exact quoted commands and statements that you say, and they are universal. You don't ask somebody in an auditing session, well, let's just say there's only one way to ask people certain questions in auditing sessions about, like, do you have an ARC break? That is, that's a set question. You don't say, um something different than that like you know well is there an arc break or are you feeling upset today or uh do you feel like you have an arc break or i mean you don't say any of that you just say do you have an arc break and as long as they were following that routine you know then then the other regional variations would not be that big of a deal
1: all right Polly M says, I asked you on Twitter if you have watched One Bedroom on Netflix. wonder if you did yet.
0: I have not. Mm. I've not gotten around to that.
1: One BR, I guess. I don't know if it's One Bedroom, but that was.
0: Yeah, that's a culty <laughs> thing, I think. I think that's a pretty weird. life. I'm remembering the trailer right, that looks. A um, woman moves into an apartment building, and the apartment building is sort of a cult.
1: All yeah, the people okay. in the apartment
0: building are kind of part of this weird thing. Um, but I know I haven't gotten around to watching it yet. What else do we have here?
1: Um, do you think Scientology will ever start selling iPads loaded with L. Ron Hubbard's books and profiles installed to limited Internet access or start doing auditing through applications like Zoom? Oh, my God. That'd be amazing.
0: Yeah. No. I, okay. Yes, I believe that Scientology. Well, Sciento, okay. Author Services, uh, Inc., has already produced an iPad or iPod, rather. Um, with all of Hubbard's fiction works on it. But for some reason, and I don't know why, I've been asked this question a few times, and I really just come down to I don't know as an answer. The Church of Scientology will not produce the same ebook of, of Hubbard's hmm. Scientology works. I can't figure it out. They would, it would propagate the information so much faster if they would do that, and it would be a valid way for Scientology to expand would be to produce those books, um, you know, really get with it on technology and come out of the 1980s and 90s and and put this stuff out there. And they won't. They don't. I don't know why I can't figure it out Um, because all the books are out there. You know, you can download most of them. Um, In fact, many editions of the different books. I mean, you can get the 1950 edition of Dianetics out there. You can't get it through the church. But you can get it through PDFs and independent downloads and indie sites. And speaking of independent Scientology, yes, they do audit people through Zoom. They've had, they've, the independent Scientologists have taken advantage of the internet way more than Scientology has, official Scientology has, to deliver Scientology. So that's interesting. Now, I believe Hubbard would probably roll over in his grave at the idea of auditing somebody over the internet because you don't. Have the control that you need in order to run an auditing session when a person can simply click a button and cut you off. Mm-hmm. You, auditing is an extremely personal service, it's something that is done between two people, and the auditor has to exert control over the pre clear in order for the auditing to actually bite and work. Um, mm. Theoretically, mm. you could have auditing sessions happen over Zoom. If the preclear is completely cooperative the entire time, and most of the time they probably would be. But when they run into trouble and some preclears run into some extremely traumatic episodes or find themselves back in an earlier point in time in their life or an imaginary past life where they are overwhelmed by the inputs and and the trauma and, and stress of the incident. And they want to stop. They don't want to experience that. They want it to go away. And the auditor's job is to push the person through that. And it's not necessarily to a better place. This is one of the places where auditing can be really damaging to people and can re-traumatize them. Um, but it, like I said, it sort of requires that the auditor is there in person. It makes a tremendous difference to what happens in the auditing session if the auditor's actually there versus just you know, doing it over an electronic connection. So that's what I can say about that.
1: Okay, so I'm gonna let you decide if you want to answer that question.
0: What do we got here? <laughs> oh yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I know. People think I'm gay sometimes. I move my hands. I have particular mannerisms in the way that I talk. I, you know, I kind of got over it at this point because I've had so many people say, oh my God, I thought you were gay. Like, get over yourselves, guys. You know, get past your stereotypes. I'm not gay. <laughs> that's, that's where it's at. I got a wife and I love her and I have never been attracted to males. So, you know, I I talk (laughs) how I talk and I, you know, at this point I kind of wish I had a deeper voice or something. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Whatever. So, yeah. All right. Uh, It's not, it's not offensive. It's just sort of, um, it's such a goofy off the wall, like out of left field thing to me because of how I actually, how my sexuality really expresses itself that, I just go okay. I guess I'm just somebody's stereotype or something. I don't know. I don't know how that works.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, law of improbability. What do you think of the concept of reward hacking?
0: I don't know what that is. Okay,
1: I don't either. Yeah, you have to
0: <laughs> let me. Um, actually, let me uh, see if I can find out real fast. Reward <laughs> hacking. Uh, reward hacking in uh, in evolutionary algorithms proliferation of reward hacking okay but what is it (laughs) how ai agents cheat the system by doing exactly what they're told and what we can learn from them yeah i'm sorry i don't know what reward hacking is and it doesn't look like i can figure it out very quickly here so we'll have to take that up send that to me by email and i will pick that up in my um in my regular Q and a shows and get you an answer on that.
1: Okay. So then we've got Alexander Linder. Ah. He says, since it seems you enjoy video games now, did you play some during the time in the sea org or did you discover them after you left? Did you play any titles before your departure from Scientology?
0: I had a, um, I did not play a lot of video games in the Sea Org. There really wasn't a lot of time or ability to do that. You'd have to have a computer. You'd have to have the games. You'd have to have internet access for most of them to work. And we didn't have most of those things uh, for most of the time that I was in the Sea Org. Um, I remember, and I can't remember if this was pre-Sea Org. I think it was when I was in the Sea Org also. I had a little Game Boy, and I played Tetris and stuff. But as far as the kind of video games we get to play here with a PlayStation and stuff, that's just forget it. That just doesn't happen in the Sea Org. You're never going to have yeah. access to that kind of stuff. They talked about having a game room at one point. You know, when they, To try to soften the blow of having stolen all of our DVDs and movies and CDs out of our rooms. Remember I talked about how they came through one weekend and just decided to take everybody's DVDs and CDs and put them all in plastic bags in the basement? To soften the blow of that, they told us they were going to create a movie room, rec room for us for Libs Days when we would have liberties and could have a day off and enjoy those things. They never did that. There was never any follow-up to that of any kind. Sea Org, the, the staff um, the, the staff situation, st- caring for the staff and the Seorg Org is always at the bottom of the list.
1: Mm.
0: So... You know, sorry to get all dark about that, Alex, but that's where, you know, that's the Sea Org, man. It's not it's not a it's not a lifestyle that is open to uh, doing things other than being focused on the mission of the Sea Org and video games would be a huge distraction to that. Hubbard actually wrote an issue canceling the ownership of television. Uh, He said all the Sea Org members were, you know, becoming brainwashed by soap operas and he canceled. (laughs) He said no more TVs. That's it. I saw TVs in the rooms of the RTC reps Uh and the high execs of Uh the base. um, But we weren't supposed to have them. So much less have video games. So, yeah.
1: Guys at the bottom don't get anything. No. All right. So then Robert Roberts asks, uh, Chris Shelton and Melissa, your opinion of Batman Beyond and Conan 1990s cartoons?
0: Okay, you first. (laughs) Because I didn't watch those. <laughs> I didn't really watch
1: Batman Beyond either. I mean, I kind of remember it being on, but I don't think I've seen that much of it. And I'm not sure what he's referring to with the 1990s cartoons. If you mean the the uh, one that we're watching, the animated series, that one's pretty great. But yeah. I don't know.
0: We like the animated series. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's actually, I comment all the time on the animated series as um, how adult it is. I mean, there's stuff that they show that's pretty... Whoa. Or things they imply, things that happen off camera, Batman killing himself, for example, or rather Bruce Wayne, you know, taking a dive out a window one time in order to escape this crazy dream he thought he was having. Um, You know, other things happening. They showed we watched uh, just last night. We watched the, the backstory of Robin. And how his parents died in a circus, uh, yeah. you know, with the rope being cut, and they—they—they they, they didn't show the parents actually dying, but everything else around mm-hmm. it. It's pretty masterful the way they—they they yeah. sort of just walk that edge of of being, you know, that children could could still watch this in some fashion, but really, it's for—it's it, got some pretty adult themes. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I like the way that they have—they've put that together.
1: All right. So then we've got. Is David Miscavige not into women? Does he have relationships on the side as his wife is not there?
0: We're not really sure. Um, he is pretty close with um, this woman, Lou, his personal assistant. Um, but there's not, I can't confirm or deny that they might be up to some hanky-panky. Um, Honestly, I've always thought of David Miscavige a little asexually. I've never thought of him as an intensely sexual person who puts much attention on that area of his life. Um, it, would, it would not surprise me in any way if it were to come out eventually that he just doesn't care about sex, that sex is just not his thing. Because um, it seems to me that if it was, we would have at least one or two stories at this point of him being inappropriate with his female staffers, right, the people who were in his inner circle. And believe me, if there is somebody who could get away with it, it's him. Um, but, you know, it, it would still come out eventually. Those things always t- always do. And uh, so far, there hasn't been a hint of it. And, uh, and kind of similar to Hubbard himself. Hubbard was pretty asexual. You know, he was being cared for by these kids and stuff. But There's really only a couple rumored stories of him, you know, maybe possibly doing something inappropriate with those young women, but for the, but they all pretty much, I mean, I've talked to them personally and they have like, there was nothing. The guy was just not like that. So, you know, I don't know. That's kind of my take on Miscavige's uh, sexualities and, and that sort of thing. I don't think he's gay or anything like that. I just don't think he's that interested in sex, period, you know. I don't
1: know. Okay. I I could be totally
0: wrong about all of that. I just don't know.
1: I guess I accidentally skipped this question, so we'll come back to it. Why do you think that Hubbard liked to dismantle Christian theology but also fundamentally root Scientology and Christian belief? He often spoke of visiting heaven and claimed that he was Antichrist.
0: Yeah. um, Hubbard had gnostic. Ideas. um I mean, his ideas are derived a lot from Madame Bovatsky's work and from uh, New age theosophy and from really old school stuff. And they that, that that there's a whole different kind of belief set there. Hubbard wanted religious recognition in the United States. Um, that's where Scientology started. That's where it had to happen. And in order to get religious recognition, You have to use symbols and iconography and and trappings that are religious, that people are going to immediately identify with and understand as religious. This is why Scientology has a cross. This is why there is a Sunday service. This is why there is a creed. These things were required in order to get the tax exemption. So Hubbard just drew on, you know, he really put in the least amount of effort Mm -hmm. to it. What's gonna, what is it going to take to look like and sound like a religion? Well, we put up some crosses. We have the little dog collar, the white tab, you know. Um, we have the, the draping, the, 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 the appearances of a religion. Therefore, we are a religion. And that's mm-hmm. why you see that the Christian symbols used in Scientology, because they're the most easily recognized religious symbols. But Hubbard hated organized religion. He was down on it every chance he got. He, he would badmouth it. So that's why the contradiction.
1: Ah, all right. And then Lauren is great asks Can we do a fallacy of the week segment and learn about logical plot holes?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did some <laughs> PSAs on logical fallacies. Maybe I should bring those back. Um, Logical fallacy of the week. I would have to pay too much attention to the news, right? <laughs> which I'm really, for my own mental health, trying not to. <laughs> I go through my news feed every day, but I try not to uh, to dive too deep into it. And then to do that work, it, I would require I do that. And I just I have to I have to keep a little distance from from how crazy the news cycles get. Mm-hmm. Um, just for I've i de- I've decided for myself I have to do that. So that's that's why you might not see something like that. But I should bring those PSAs back because there's a lot of logical fallacies and, and we should talk more about those. Okay. Cool.
1: Are the H C O B and OEC volumes still available to be purchased new from Scientology bookstores? I had both sets in the late seventies, but since threw threw them all away. I don't want them, just curious.
0: Um, okay, cool. Thank you, Thomas, for that super chat, by the way. Boom. Um, None of those books are still available through Scientology bookstores, old editions or new. In fact, I've been told uh, for years now and confirmed that they've actually removed the technical volumes and policy volumes out of the orgs. I mean, they don't even have access to them. They just have these packs that RTC has put together of the chronological sequence of policies covering certain subjects, like all of the policies about how to how to write letters. And be a letter writer have been put together into their own pack. And that's been issued by RTC, but they took the master packs of all the issues out of the orgs. I guess people have had a little bit too much to think about, uh, you know, to read, to learn about. And Miscavige wanted to close the, you know, sort of tighten the the loop a little bit as to what information Scientologists had available to them, uh, it, which blows me away, but that's, you know that's a cult for you so really shouldn't blow me away at all
1: mm, okay i saw ex-scientologist asked, i saw aola staff carrying out all the what they were derogatively calling greenies hardcover books in 1992 to the trash dumpster mm-hmm. was that because miscavige deemed them flawed
0: no in 1991 or two there were i mean yes they were flawed they it's out with the old and with the new the all of the oec volumes the policy volumes were revised in 1991 and i believe the tech volumes were too so it became a big shred party on all the old stuff same same thing happened when all the basic books came out in 2004 or 5 when when all of those were released all the old editions of the books shred party right in la we we literally loaded up uh trucks moving trucks full of the older edition materials and had them taken to the uh, acid pits to, oh. be, to be shredded. The
1: acid pits. That sounds like something out of like a fantasy movie or
0: something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it's just that they use acid to shred stuff in, in L.A. So. Or at least that was one of the ways you could get rid of stuff or pulp the pulp the material. Okay. So.
1: Sean McMullen asks, Were Scientology services cheaper in different parts of the world? Why not go to South America and do the bridge?
0: They are, and you can, and people do. Um, the the price uh, formula, the pricing formula for Scientology auditing and, and training services is based on average local median income for a given area. And uh, for the United States, let's say, right, you'll, you'll do that calculation and then you price accordingly. And it's not a roll your own pricing. This is all figured out by international management, and they issue the prices down to the local orgs. So in Mexico, auditing is significantly cheaper than it is here in the United States. Same in South Africa. And people have flown to South Africa to get, you know, chunks of auditing um, for significantly cheaper. It costs them less to go down to Mexico or fly to South Africa, get, you know, 50, 100, 200 hours of auditing and fly home. They could do all that. For less than they could travel to Los Angeles or Clearwater and do that same amount of auditing. So um so that's that's a thing.
1: Okay. Dmitri Vladimir Nagant Q asks, I'd been working on getting over my social anxiety to go out and make friends. Then the pandemic happens, now socializing is illegal. Why do you think mental health is being ignored? What to do?
0: Yeah. Mental health will always take a backseat to physical health, because physical health is something you can see and it manifests, where mental health is manifested, but it's the invisible, you know, problem. Um, and also, of course, when dead bodies are, are, are piling up, which has been the case with, with, you know, viruses like COVID, then mental health, again, takes a backseat because, hey, you might be suffering, but at least you're alive. Now, this is the attitude. I'm not saying that this is great or wonderful or even how it should be. We are grossly negligent when it comes to caring for our mental health. Our mm-hmm. society is actually, I believe, structured in such a way as to create mental health problems. Mm-hmm. That's what I actually, I, I believe that is true. And I follow that on the work of Johann Hari, who has done TED Talks about depression, anxiety, drug abuse, and, and addiction and um, I think he's a pretty smart guy because he's been looking to societal uh, elements of the problem, not just what's wrong with you as an individual, that you have depression, that you have anxiety, that you are depressed. I think that it's a society problem and, um, and our interaction with society and the way society you know, produces demands on us that some people are just not up to. And how do we deal with that? And how do we, you know, how do we structure a society that cares for its people? Well, we got to really rethink this. And I think that uh, his work needs to be built up on so that we study it, figure it out, you know, see where Mm -hmm. he might, you know, he's got some good ideas, but how studied are they? How do we, how do we, you know, figure all this stuff out? So that's, that's what I think about that. So it sucks um, that in a time of plague or epidemic that we are, you know, stuck indoors but, you know, socializing is not completely turned off or illegalized. We, you know, we had a little bit yeah. of time yesterday with family.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, you can gather in small groups. You, you, you mask up, you know, be smart. Mm-hmm. Um, but but, but socializing is not completely illegal. People are out there yeah. protesting on the streets right now, all over the place. That's not illegal. Um, and meeting up with your friends or family is not, you know, is yeah, not verboten groups. if you do it right.
1: And there's always Zoom. It's not the same, but it's a way to get some social activity in. Mm -hmm. You know, we do that on weekends. We do, like, movie nights with our friends over Zoom and stuff.
0: That's right. In fact, we're going to do that tonight. And we meet every week. We've been doing a game night with our friends. That's how we've been maintaining social contact with some of our friends because we can't see them otherwise. So Mm -hmm. that's, you know, or we haven't. We haven't arranged to. So. Anyway, yeah, I can say that. Yeah. All right. Let me see if I can power through a bunch more of these in a few minutes. Yeah, we we're like going to have to minutes. wrap up in about four or five minutes. Yeah. All right.
1: Let's see what we can do here. Polymath. Why do you think Reza Aslan defended Scientology as a legitimate religion on his alternate, alternative religion series on CNN?
0: Because Reza Aslan is an attention whore who doesn't understand <laughs> what religion and cults actually are. Uh, I hate to be so blunt, but that's my view of him. I do not like that man. I don't think he has honest takes on this, I think he's all about um aggrandizing his, himself over the the integrity of his of his content or statements. Sorry, that's where I'm at. I'm with the guy all right <laughs> <laughs> what else we got
1: We got do you see any similarities between Donald Trump and Elron Hubbard other than they both kind of look unsettling?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, they are both narcissists of a of a high caliber degree. I don't know. I've called Trump a malignant narcissist. I might have been an overenthusiastic in using malignant there. Um n- narcissist. Absolutely. The guy checks every box. Mm-hmm. And so does Hubbard. Hubbard and, and Trump also share a, big, a bit of megalomania. They're really into power and controlling people. I think Trump less so about controlling people. I don't think he gets off on that so much as controlling situations, if that makes sense, as a difference. Um, I, and, and he's very, very self-aggrandizing Trump is Hubbard was too. Hubbard tailored some of his, I'm sort of thinking this through as I'm answering here and Hubbard sort of tailored a lot of his self-aggrandizement to the time. So they sounded a bit different, but I think the intent is the same in, in their heads. Um, you know, they both exist in their own minds to such a degree that it sort of drives out everybody else. So no one else really exists in their world. It's all about them. And other people only v- matter to the degree that they are contributing to the narcissist's life. And that's Hubbard and that's Trump, uh, as I see it.
1: Okay. And then uh, Nerman asks, what's really in the CSD, Church of Spiritual Technology, of 1980 established by attorney Earl Cooney for Hubbard Estate Vault of Author Services, Inc.?
0: what's really in the CST uh, vaults, what we've talked about. I mean, there's, I don't, I don't, they could be stashing stuff there. No question about it. They have a setup there where you've got these underground vaults that are heavily secured, um, that are on properties that no one's easily going to get onto or is going to be there undetected. These, there are Sea Org members at these properties whose only job is making sure that those properties are secure. So, sure, there, should, there could be some shenanigans being pulled there. But, um, but we know for a fact that what's there are the um, archived materials of L. Ron Hubbard's body of work. That's, that's, that's what's primarily there.
1: Okay. Yeah. Holly Math asks, Steve Mingo is openly gay and clearly comfortable with it. Why would Scientology spend so much effort recruiting him to the Sea Org? Who's that? Steve Mingo. He's openly gay. So why would Scientology?
0: Oh, desperation. <laughs> um, and I don't know uh, about his Sea Org recruit cycle. Like, I'll have to look into that, actually. That's a good question. Um, because he is pretty openly gay. And I don't know what he told them when he was first getting involved in Scientology about being gay. So I'll have to look at that. That's actually, okay. that's actually a pretty good question. Okay. It is oh yeah, time, to, time for us to start uh, <laughs> wrapping up here, guys. Because I've got to go on to another live stream where I'm going to be for a couple hours. So if you want to join me there, I put the link up on Twitter. so uh, So you can check that out. I have no idea what we're going to be talking about. Just Scientology stuff, I think um so that'll be fun okay um so thank you guys these are great questions you guys have been awesome this whole time here we usually go for about an hour but like yeah. I said we gotta cut it off a little bit because i need some some between time on the shows um and portland is anything anyway i'm sorry if i didn't get to some of your questions um but this was fun yeah i had a good time with this i hope you guys did too yeah 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 comments good yeah good because i haven't been paying a lot of it i've only been <laughs> glancing at them yeah, as we've nothing been going. too crazy yeah okay cool all right guys well like i said a lot of fun thank you very much for all of the super chats by the way those were awesome we really do appreciate and you know uh need the support so thank you for that we very much appreciate it and i think we'll wrap up all right all right and um join us on wednesday yeah. for critical conversations I don't have any plans on doing a live stream this week on um, Tuesdays like I sometimes do um, because I'm starting university this week. So I want to have the time available to prep and get that done right and make sure that I'm, you know, acclimating into that new world. Uh, uh, anyway, that I have enough time for that. But we will be here Wednesday night. So um, so we hope to see you then. All right, guys.
1: bye Bye. Goodbye.